Hello and welcome to the Art of Community podcast. My name is Ben Cotton and this is my wife, Heather. Hello. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the joys and pains of meaningful life together. This is episode 11 and we've been on hiatus for <laughs> what well, started off as like a conference and a couple of weeks of vacation and then life happened. Yeah. Um, Heather runs a business, an accounting business and that got crazy and you know just stuff we're not that great at <laughs> being we we it's hard for us to get together in the same room at the same time to talk about the same thing in an organized way with the record button pressed it's sort of a challenge but it's hard but, for us to have community and talk about community yeah no it's because we're busy having community right I that's, think that's a good thing. is that what it is yeah, yeah. all right yeah, that's what it is. We're so busy being great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, thanks for joining us today. This is going to be a little more of a personal type episode, um, but it's a common problem, which we want to talk about uh, what it's like when you get hurt by the church, by the church community, because that's what the church is, and and how that affects your perspective on community and maybe some ideas about why are you making a face at me? Like the music is still going. I mean, I love it, but it's like a long time. This is what editing is for. Don't worry about it. This will all get cut out. This part will not because I'll leave this in. No, it's okay. But the music will not be. It'll be really weird and awkward. Anyway... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're, Heather's going to talk, tell a little bit of her story um, and, and how this topic has affected her. I know it's affected everyone else. Church hurt, church trauma um, seems to be a common thing and a hot topic these days. And so we're going to talk about that ourselves and uh, get into it. So this is episode, episode 11. Glad you're with us. All right, Heather. I just drug that out just a little bit more for you. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah. I know how much you like it. I always feel like it's a consistent thing where he messes with me because the music distracts me because I want to listen to it. And then he keeps it going for forever. Yeah. Got to have a little background music at the beginning just to kind of set the mood. Mm -hmm. So where do you want to start with your story? The ball's in your court. Well... So first of all, starting out saying that um, this is going to be, this is something that's just kind of not been talked about a lot. And um, even in talking about the fact that we were going to talk about this, we realized that um, a lot of times when you talk about church hurt and um, when you hear about it, it's usually from people who are pretty bitter and have mm-hmm. either decided not to go to church anymore or to have nothing to do with the church or are going begrudgingly but judging everything that happens. Right. Um, or if they're not in that camp, 
they don't talk about it, but they've actually faced it and they're still in the church because they've worked through it, maybe in a healthy way, maybe not in a healthy way. And so they don't want to stir up trouble. So then they don't talk about it. And so, um, yeah. So it's just something that we don't see talked about in a in a really healthy way very often. And so And rarely from like like pastors and pastors' wives or leadership couples it tends yeah. to be they're scared to talk about it in a way. Yeah. I need to give the disclaimer and I'll probably say it several times throughout. There's no possible way to be balanced. Have a balanced conversation about this in 30 minutes or 45 mm-hmm. minutes because there's so many different things. And so I'm not trying to have that balanced conversation. However, if you have questions or thoughts or concerns about it, like message us because yeah, we totally yeah. want to talk about it because it's it's our heart because um, we've seen so much of it um, to help with it. Um, hopefully to not be a part of it. <laughs> However, I think that probably there's times where it can be inadvertent. Um, mm-hmm. And just with an understanding of the fact that we're all human and if you go to a church, it's filled with imperfect people. And so um, have an understanding of that. I just wanted to talk a little bit about about some stuff that happened with our family in growing up. We really, I really had a just such a beautiful picture of what community was. Um, we really had a lot of people around us, a lot of families around us that were real true community. And it wasn't, it wasn't fake. And really our whole lives, even, you know, in teenagerhood and all that kind of stuff, it, that was a big part of our lives. And always having people in our homes and always doing doing that kind of stuff. And so it really is like a wonderful memory. And it's something that isn't I don't begrudge at all. It's something that I think me and my siblings are always kind of looking for because it was a special part of our lives. And so, yeah. And I would say uncommonly. So like to a degree that I had not seen before until I met your family where, I mean, you'd come home from being out or church or whatever, and there would be people in your house Mm -hmm. (laughs) or in your driveway playing basketball Mm -hmm. or, and that wasn't weird. Like, it wasn't like, what are you doing in my house? Which is how I would be if I came home and there were people like just hanging out in my house without me there. I would feel a little weird. But for you guys, it was a normal thing. Like, when you say, people say open door policy, they don't actually mean literally open door. But that's how it was. There were people there all the time rummaging around in your fridge, (laughs) hanging out, playing basketball, having sleepovers. Like, it was just community in a way, in a, in a, to a degree that I had never seen before until yeah. meeting you. Yeah. And there was never just us six kids. We had our family that like families that were around us that had friends. And, you know, of course our personal friends were part of those families. And then as well as friends from school and neighborhood. And so there was it was just it was just such a an interesting childhood. And it really was, I think, unusual looking back on it. So when I was it was after we got married. But on the earlier side of being married, we had a situation happen where my dad had been the pastor of our church for 23 years and had been in the church for, in this specific church for my entire life. I was 20, 20 or 21 at the time. So, yeah, I mean, he had been the past, he had been in the church in some pastoral role for 23 years. 
when there were people that actually were really close to us in our lives that made some decisions about the church that set it on a path that ended up ultimately getting the church taken away from my dad, mm-hmm. uh, not by really a choice of his own, but more by a choice that people in leadership that were probably overly ambitious. And maybe they had a good heart in it. I I don't know. It's hard for me to speak to that. But it was extremely painful for our family because it was the kind of thing where for our entire life, it had been this thing where it wasn't perfect. Like we can look back and see all of these things that were just maybe a little bit unhealthy or or things that weren't perfect or things that were kind of out of whack. But all in all, it was just such a, a beautiful depiction of community. And all of a sudden, our community, all of these people that we have been around our whole entire lives uh, were either on the side of um, not su- of actually actively taking away um, like taking away the church and mm-hmm. the thing that we had been pouring our lives into, or they were sitting by idly, or they had already left. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but and there were some people that came behind us, knowing that it wasn't wasn't right because it was very unjust and it was very um, improperly done. Mm-hmm. It was very behind closed doors and weird, manipulative, authoritative grossness. Yeah, it was like the all the decisions were made behind closed doors without the congregation knowing it. And it was not a sudden like expulsion. It was a slow, deliberate, marginal, slow marginalization of the pastor, your dad. Yeah. And then right when it got to the point where everybody was like, where it became obvious to everybody but the people behind closed doors, they sort of suddenly announced it in this gross way. Yeah. And so it, all of that kind of, you could, if you can imagine being in that situation, how painful, how much more painful it would be to go through it that way <laughs> than to have just somebody come up to you and say, Hey, look, this is not working. We, we, and like, just be open about it. Instead, it was a slow kind of sideways, kind of passive aggressive dis- decision that just made it gut wrenchingly painful. Yeah. And, you know, because we were, we were married, but we were teenagers. I mean, I was a teenager when we got married, but, and then of course all my siblings being younger than me, I think that dad had, and mom had been walking through that for a longer time than they let us know. Mm -hmm. Um, They probably told us about nine months before everything happened that it was happening. And of course they were trying to remain humble because they didn't want to try to be grasping a position of authority mm-hmm. if 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 the decision that needed to be made for the church was better for the church. And so it was really a shuffling of roles within the church, but it was done in a way that pushed my dad out from being from being having any authority in the church and even being allowed to speak in the church. Um and so that was slowly taken away and I know that my dad would say that he has regrets from that time or even mistakes that he made, but 
I know from watching that I what I kept seeing was that he wanted to have a humble heart and he didn't want to try to fight for a place of authority if it was time to give it up. And so what was and then people took advantage of that and just took it away from him. Yeah. Yep. And then you know, as it's happening, if if there was a place of speaking up and saying, I'm not actually quite sure that this is a good idea, then there was very manipulative things that were said that were just like, uh, you'll, ugly. you'll, yeah, that were just ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't get into all the details of it, but, um, so it culminated into a meeting where they called the church together and they were going to announce it. And I decided to stay home just because I was pretty close to delivering, but also it was just such an emotional time but Ben went and um, my other family was there and the people in the church, it was just such a, uh, just a painful thing. It was just so painful for our family, but also for the people in the church who had really been left in the dark for all of this time. And so it was, it was gut-wrenching and it was probably one of the most clear pictures of betrayal that we've seen um, as a family. Yeah, I couldn't believe, like, I remember I was sitting there in this, you know, open, uh, poorly handled betrayal happens, and the pe- people in, in the congregation are, most of them, he- hearing this for the very first time, and, like, now it's just been done, and they had no say in it. So there's lots of tears, and people are mad, and it's just, it was really ugly, and and couldn't have gone worse and then it's over and one of the people who was one of the most instrumental people the person who was supposed to be overseeing it steps right off the stage and walks up to your mother and gives her a kiss on the cheek and it was like watching a living parable yeah of betrayal I'll never forget it. It was a lesson to me. Yeah. About what not to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that started a real journey in our family that really isn't done um, because mm-hmm. it, you know. How long ago was this? It was 20 years ago because Caitlin's 20 this year. So it's been 20 years. Um, and so it's it's the kind of thing where there was a lot of, uh, talking and processing and anger and sadness and hurt and processing and processing and processing. And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things that um, dad would have us do is like, we're processing is to say, okay, we've talked about it. Now we need to pray. Like we need to pray for them. We need to pray for our hearts. Um, yeah. He would say, if we're going to talk about them, we're going to pray for them. Yeah. And so it's unreal. Yeah, it was. And um so there was a just so there was such a uh just a place of real hurt in our family over it. And uh it's not something that can be easily undone because this had been our lives. This had been the people that were a part of our lives and now all of a sudden the place where we gathered, the place where we were really centered around was the church. That was taken away from us. And um it's not to say that those people just went away. Some of those people were a part of it, though, and so they've never been a part of our lives again. 
um, others have come back to us and, and are a part of our lives again. And so that has been very redemptive. Um, so that community we started off talking about is so amazingly close. Yeah. Now becomes this, on the one hand, it's a blessing in some ways, but in other ways, it's a source of, it's like the source of the pain. Yeah. Which is really complicated. Yeah, it is. Um, and it was never put back. I mean, the church is still there, but it was never put back to whole. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it was ever really dealt with. And so there isn't an end to that story. And we should say some people who are involved have come back around and, you know, to different degrees and different levels of repentance and reconciliation. But there have been some some people that were kind of thrown out or were a part of it or were or had the authority to do something about it and didn't, you know, there's always different levels of culpability in these things, but there has been some measure of healing, but not, it's not fixed. Right. Yep. And so we already lived away from Boone at the time. And, but the next years especially were years where just kind of confronting and looking at, uh, the fact that what would be the easiest thing would be to to retreat and to not give myself over to real community and not give our family over to real true community because for the for the protection of mm-hmm. that not ever happening again. It's like going back to the scene of the crime to go <laughs> right commit yourself to a community again. Yeah, yeah, and with different people and with different. Faces, but with the same, to me, what felt like the same danger because it was, it just was such a painful thing. It was painful to see my parents walk through it. It was painful to see my siblings walk through it. Mm-hmm. It was painful to walk through it myself. It was painful to see our friends that were part of that community and what it did to them and what it did to the community, this church that I loved. It was like my favorite church. Like, and it was, it was um, really crushed. And so, and since then, in looking back, like I said, there was some, Places and 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 we'll even talk about it, you know, with my family. But of just saying, like, there were some things that were kind of not totally healthy. <laughs> and so, in in looking at it now, we can say, well, these are the things that um, maybe should have changed, or it was maybe it was too leader centric because just the fact that the leadership was able to do that to my dad, who was who was the head elder, but the fact that the leadership was able to do that without the church even knowing showed you that it was too leader centric. It was too much focused on the, the leaders and not inclusive of the church. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, maybe this is being too positive about it, but I don't think the reason everything was done behind closed doors was because they were trying to be sneaky. I think it was, they thought that's the right, that was the right way to make those decisions. Yeah, but it was. They the, were convinced that this is the correct way to lead and make decisions is secretly. Yeah, like it wasn't like they were being like secret agents and doing trying to do something behind people's back. It was just it was, it was there was a real broken view of leadership there. Yeah. that and I think that was the style of the the kind of church that 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 it was at the time. I mean, you, that's what you hear looking back mm-hmm. on that time period in the early two thousands is like that there was a place where. It just it was a very heavy leadership, mm-hmm. um, you know, time. And so, in thinking about so when when we started thinking about coming to Kernersville for for Ben to be a pastor here and for us to minister here, 
Talk about a triggering moment for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was probably four, five years after, four or five years after that had happened. I guess it was five years after that had happened. And, um, and so we really pursued coming here like, okay, we're going to do it. It's going to be fine. And, um, it's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and just in processing it and thinking about it. And I realized I actually had a dream about it, but like that my baby had died and mm. that I was not able to ever go back home. I wasn't able to ever recover. And I knew I was not in a place where we could say yes to the church. I was not in a place where we could say, um, yes to the risk that was involved in being a part of leading a church. Because I knew from watching my parents do it and Ben knew from watching his parents do it, that that's a big part of leadership is uh, betrayal and being misunderstood and um, all of it. And it's like, not if it's a win. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it will happen. And so I knew what we'd be walking into. I wasn't going into it blind. And I just knew my soul could not carry that. Like I couldn't. And so we both felt a piece about it. And we said no to coming to Kernersville. And um, we spent about a year just praying, okay, well, God, now what? Like, what are we supposed to be doing? What are the things that we're supposed to be putting our hands to? Should we move? Should we, like, what should we do? And just putting, we kind of just started being a part of the church that we were in. Um more so than we ever had been. And um and then about a year later, uh Ben's dad said, you know, that that church is still available. And so we started praying about it again and and incoming, you know, we I we would have leaders uh, at various times say, you know, one of the ways that you can protect yourself is just don't be friends with people in the church. Like mm. That that's a protection for you. Um more than once we have people tell us that. Yeah. And different people in different in different circles. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's probably a good idea because I just walked through all of this stuff. Sounds great. Yeah, <laughs> five <laughs> years ago. I was like, that would probably be the answer is if we're just not friends with the people in our church, we'll just have to make friends with people outside of our church and then that it'll probably work and it'll be okay. And Keep a professional um, distance. Yeah. <laughs> so we finally said yes and the church said yes to us. And so we were just like, okay, this is going to be good. Put our house on the market and it took us nine months to sell our house. It was right before the 2008 crash we were up for houses and stuff so it took us nine months to sell our house and during that time we were having to travel back and forth two hours each way every sunday then we come up on wednesdays and it it actually got to the point at one point that i just was like i actually can't do this anymore because i had a 10 month old and a 22 month old and i was like <laughs> yeah i just what was wrong with it? i don't know <laughs> And I was like, I can't, and a six-year-old, but I mean, that was easy compared to two toddlers. If, if you're thinking about going in and be, becoming a pastor, uh, this is not how you should do it. No. It's what we did, and obviously God blessed it. it. It was a good thing for us, but not the best strategy. To yeah. But God used it because yep. what happened was I really, we really had com had a community at our church in, in Fuquay. I had finally gotten to the place where I, I was good with it. and. I was leaving that and I was coming here and to a place with no friends, to a place where there really wasn't even anybody my age, to a place where there weren't even children for my children. Like it was just a really hard for me from the outside looking in, it was going to be a really hard thing. And what God did during that time was just made me so desperate just to be here and to be in the lives of the people here because I'm, 
it was nine months of basically not having a place because mm-hmm. I didn't really fit in Fuquay anymore because all of them, you know, I didn't see them on Sunday mornings. I wasn't seeing them throughout the week because we weren't a part of that. We were part of this, but I just, but I wasn't here either. And, um, and so God just kind of did something in my heart where I was just ready. And by the time we moved here, I was like, all right, I'm jumping in both feet. And during that time too, I just was praying through, well, what does it like, should I, should I not be friends with people? Like, like, how should I do that? And um, keeping in mind the fact that, you know, all this stuff was so fresh with my family. I just think it's funny that you had to pray to figure out how not to be friends with people. (laughs) I have never had to pray that prayer in my life. Uh, yeah. Uh. So in coming here, you know, obviously we made a decision that we were in with both feet, like, and that we were going to, we were going to dig in relationally and that community mattered and it mattered to us and it mattered to this church. And it actually was part of the calling for this church. And so it's something that pretty early on, we kind of dug our heels on in on, I think in a good way. Just to say, we're not going to let the past be a defining point for our future and for like how we're going to do church. And to some degree, it would be it would have been easier to to say, um, I'm just going to not get hurt, and so I'm not going to um, let people in, and I'm going to keep my distance. Sure, I'll go to church because I feel pretty good about that, but I'm just not going to be involved. Um. That would have been easier than saying I'm, I'm I'm in because we have we've been here for 13 years or is it 14, 14 years? 14 years. Yeah. Sorry. We've been here for 14 years. And so we have definitely faced our fair share, even especially early on um, with people that betrayed us, with people that um, left us, with people that uh, said really horrible things, <laughs> with people that didn't understand us um, and didn't want to understand us. Um, and, and it doesn't just happen. It's not a one and done thing. Mm-hmm. It's a consistent thing. Yeah. And it's when, because we decided that we're not going to do this at a professional distance. We don't even know how to do this at a professional distance. It's not how we, it's not how God wired us to lead and to do ministry. And yeah. so, because of that decision, every time somebody would do that, it, I think, I think we should say like, that does mean it hurts more. Yeah. Like it, if you decide to go that way, it's going to hurt more and it should hurt more. And if it doesn't, like if somebody betrays you and it doesn't hurt you, (laughs) then you you didn't have a relationship with them. Yeah. And whatever you called it, it was not a relationship because it, 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 those two things go together. But, what we decided was that that price is worth paying because we believe in it enough. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's like, you can't go into relationships naive saying, well, I won't get hurt this time. Like you really might. And, but it's worth that risk and it's worth that pain because the payoff um, is so much greater and it's what the church is supposed to be. Yeah. And all of that's worth it. Yeah, and I, and I think that that is part of it too. Is like that um, church hurt the that the kind of church hurt we faced and the kind of church 
hurt that a lot of people face, whether it be being misunderstood, not being appreciated. Um, It's funny because I was telling Ben right before we started this that I had pulled up Facebook and actually one of our college friends had posted a a question about what does church hurt look like to you or church? I can't even remember exactly what it said, but something along that church trauma. And there, there's so many comments on it and it's like, it's a real thing. Like it's not, it, and it's not something to be glossed over. And this is part of what I was saying at the beginning about you can't have a, ba- a truly balanced conversation within this this context because there's so many there's so many deep deep things. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, and for us, and for the things that we've kind of faced, it's like the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, um, is something that Jesus really loves and mm-hmm. he calls us to be in fellowship with each other. He's like in scripture, it says where two or more are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst. It doesn't mean he's not with us when we're not together, but he loves unity and, and all throughout scripture where he's talking about two are better than one. And, and there's all these things. And so there's, there's all these places, even you see in Jesus's life, mm-hmm. Jesus didn't need people to do his ministry. Like he didn't, he didn't need 12 disciples to do his ministry. But he chose it because it, because relationships important. And what was interesting as I was like thinking through all of this stuff is that one of the people that Jesus chose betrayed him. Mm-hmm. And the thing that that Scripture says is that um, that Jesus faced the things that we faced. That he knew the emotions he he knew while he was on this earth the emotions that we face. He knows the emotions we face. And so the the betrayal that we face in this lifetime doesn't compare to the times that over and over and over again we've we betray God we betray mm-hmm. Jesus the time that Ju- that Judas did that to Jesus this person that he had like broken bread with had washed his feet that night stood up and walked out and betrayed him and then all of the rest of them all of the rest of the disciples when he was taken like in his deepest and darkest places of life the worst thing right before he was about to die they all just left like it was like they were all just peacing out and completely flaked out. And Peter, who was like supposed to be his just number one supporter, the Rock. Yeah, he <laughs> he denied him. Like he didn't even like. And but Jesus, I was reading the scripture where it says Jesus looked at Judas and said, "Do what you came to do, friend." And it's like even in that moment, he was like called him friend. That that mm-hmm. was such a um, he wasn't. And and what was funny is the disciples around him were just incensed and they go to cut off the ear of the guard and, you know, all this kind of thing. And it's like, Jesus said, this is, this is what it takes to, for me to do what I'm called to do. This is mm-hmm. what, this is what the scripture spoke of. And so. Yeah. Betrayal was the door to his, to the cross for him. Yeah. Yep. And I think that part of the beauty, if you embrace and don't run from it, is that we in those places, like in the really hard places, we understand the suffering of Christ. It might be just a a little piece of it, but in those places where we understand the suffering of Christ, where we actually are enduring just real true suffering um, because we've been hurt, that, um, that Jesus will touch those places, that Jesus will heal those places, that Jesus, that will understand more of who Jesus is and the things that he walked through on this earth and the things that he endured 
before the cross for us and we're getting a taste of it and he his his father turned his back on him his disciples betrayed him judas gave him over they and and he endured all of that for us and and he did it also for the body of christ which is the church and so for us as christians to say it's not worth it because it's too hard is a rejection of the thing that Jesus did for yeah. us. And so it doesn't mean that it's easy because what's easy, what's the easier thing is to say, I really want to not get hurt because it never, ever feels good. Um, but it's worth, relationship is worth it. It's just finding and being in front of God enough to not fall into bitter places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think bitterness is sneaky because I think what a lot happens to a lot of people is they get they get hurt. They don't recognize bitterness as bitterness. They they call it wisdom or I've learned hard lessons or whatever. Really, it's bitterness because what they actually do is sort of fail, like in the church scenario is church hurt me or I got hurt in the church or whatever they think of it. But so instead of like dealing with the pain of all of that, which means you've got to stay engaged with the church, you avoid all of that and you just bail on it completely. And And it doesn't necessarily mean that you stay engaged with the church that caused hurt. Right. Because there are unhealthy churches out there and there are unhealthy situations that you can find yourself in even in a really good church right um that sometimes it's it really is wisdom to leave yeah um for sure but there shouldn't be a place where when i say church i mean big the c, big c church the yeah. church yeah um but and so like the way i look at it is this, jesus goes to the temple and he runs he finds money changers there people ripping other people off and missing the whole point and dishonoring the temple, dishonoring God by abusing people. And he runs them out. But I think a lot of times we get confused about the difference between the money changers and the temple. And we think, well, the temple hurt me, so I'm out. Yeah, I'm never going back to that temple again. Because in the New Testament, the temple is the body of Christ, right? That The temple is the church. <clears throat> and so like, I think that's kind of what I, how I want to challenge people today listening to this is to say, one, Jesus is on your side. He's, he's upset about the jerks that hurt you <laughs> more than you are. Like, take however you feel about it. It's his house, right? It's his temple. And he doesn't want abusers in his temple, and he will run them out. And but don't be confused about, don't think, well, the church is just a bunch of money changers. They're just a bunch of jerks that hurt people. I think there's a difference. And yes, you need to be wise and find a church that's safe and solid with responsible leadership and right doctrine because they go together a lot. And it doesn't mean if they have right doctrine, they have perfect leadership, which just means find a safe place and commit yourself to it and leave a place that's not healthy 
that's all true. That's all kind of a given in what I'm saying. But don't just throw the whole thing out. Um, like if you're deconstructing your faith, do it with your Bible in front of you, with Jesus as your focus, and with a willingness to at, to somehow work towards staying open towards the church, instead of taking the whole thing, and saying I can't deal with this, I don't want to deal with it, chucking it out and turning your back on the whole thing. That's where bitterness starts. And you can't run from that because it's in you. Yeah. And you can try to go, well, I'm like avoiding the church won't solve that problem. You'll still have that bitterness in your heart that really will eat at you. And it really will destroy things in your life beyond your control. And the thing too is that, you know, if you're in community, um, then a lot of times they can help you sort through what makes sense and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It's really hard when your community is the one that turns on you. And we have some friends that that has happened to where the the community that they were in, that they would say this is a good community turned on, on them. And so that's mm-hmm. really hard to walk away from because then you're like, okay, well now what? And now you're having to start completely over again. A lot of times it's, for a lot of people, it's more like there is a betrayal of of maybe in leadership or of somebody else in the church that's or you know, even talking about not in church, that there's somebody, a, a specific person, not usually the whole community, but we mm-hmm. do have friends that that's happened to. Yep. And it's such a painful thing. It's such a painful thing to watch happen, to watch go through. Um, and you know, there needs to be time for healing for that. Um, but if it's not the whole com- your whole community or your biggest group of friends or whatever, like turn in, then find solace in your community. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't withdraw from it. Um, if it yeah, and is. I'd say too, like baby steps are okay too. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, like to, to go as slow as you feel like you can. Yeah. You know, um, yep. you don't have to sit like, jump back in and be like, I'm fine. Like that's kind of, that's a denial thing. <laughs> yeah, whole, maybe a whole other podcast, but, yeah. but baby steps. Yes. But take the steps yeah. towards that. Yeah. Yep. And even if it's reaching out to people that you trust saying, I don't even know where to begin. Um, even if it's take, I mean, maybe you have to, maybe you do take a break or maybe you only attend church and you're not involved in it. And you're just like, I'm come, I'm just going, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go to church um, or whatever it, it feels like get counseling, get, um, get help with, with the real hurt that you face. Um, but the reality is, is that you're going to encounter more people who have faced similar things. And if you get to a place of health with it, you're going to be able to help them through it. Um, and it's not something that is necessarily a one and done decision. Um, any time that we kind of face a hard thing, it takes me a little bit. And if you catch me in that moment, you'll probably see a pretty raw me. Like it's dependent on how well I know you, <laughs> you might yep. hear things you don't want to hear, That's but true. then, but then I get okay, you know, and, and that there, so, and that, and that's what I ask God for, for, for my heart is God bring me to the place where I can be soft again towards people because I don't want to harden myself towards people, even though that might be, sometimes an easier thing. And so I would just encourage you 
if you are in a place where either you've been really hurt by the church or it feels like it's just not worth it because it's really hard, um, then either dig in where you are or find a new place. But understand that even if you find a place that looks pretty perfect, there's going to be times that you're going to bump up against relational stuff. It's what causes us to grow in relationship. It's what causes us to grow in godliness. It's why God puts people in our lives is to grow in godliness. Um, and build those relationships with accountability, with with just a trust that there's going to be, even if you lose five friends, like there's going to be the ones that carry you through. And when there's not, that there is a place of healing and wholeness that you can walk through and that you can get to. Uh, even if it takes a little bit. So not just don't give up hope. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do want to say like this, this feels like a can of worms. You know, we, Heather and I both have struggled just talking a lot about how to talk about this without doing that, but I don't think there's a way. And so I, I do, I do think like if you're, if you've been blown out by, church and you're struggling to get back into it um for one we'd be happy to help you um if you want to reach out to us um you can do that and i'll I'll put an email address in our show notes uh for you to to email um if you want but also you know just i, th- I think as a, from a pastor's perspective it is really helpful to me if someone starts coming to our church and tells me something that indicates that they're kind of limping into the door like they've been hurt and it it's like it's a, it's helpful because then i know to be more careful more gentle more aware of that to help them walk through it and we've had people come through our church that just kind of came long enough to get a little healing and then moved on and I kind of recognize that that's a function of of a church, yeah. of a local church, is to help people with that, and and so that's okay too. To, I would encourage you to do that. Like if you're kind of kind of skittish to to get up the courage. Like if it feels like a, maybe this is a safe place for me to start off, but just go ahead and go up to the the pastor and say, "Hey, I want to introduce myself. I just want to let you know, like we're st- we, we've been through some stuff." And I'm not ready to talk about it. I just wanted you to know we've been through some stuff and and just kind of raise the flag and that will I think that'll help. I think it always helps me when people tell me that because I'm I'm sensitive to that. I think most pastors are. And so that will be one encouragement, one practical encouragement I give you. Yeah, and I think the other part of that is also if you are in a church where you've been hurt, tr- at least try. At least try to say you've hurt me. Um, there's going to be certain, certain things that happen that you really might not be able to do that. But if it's, if it's not, if it's not a real, like intentional abuse of authority, intentional, um, rejection or betrayal, like that's not, even if it is, if you can find a place, find a way to address that. Um, I do know that some of the things that like like we have faced where people would probably even say that we hurt them if we had had a discussion 
at an earlier time than when they were so fully hurt that they couldn't even listen, then um, it probably would have it probably would have been a lot better. And probably, probably there worked it out. There probably would have been resolution yeah. because I know that like sometimes people can be hurt by what they think is intended or by what they think is intentionally left out. And sometimes it's just not, sometimes it's oversight. And like I said, at the beginning, we're all humans, even the pastor of the church is human. And so like, there's a place where we mess up and, and we want to grow in godliness. And like, we want to grow in knowing if we've hurt people, we, we want to make it right. And so not, I, I mean, I know not everybody is that way, but I know for me in the times I've, that I have heard that I've been like, Oh, I just wish that I I would have known I would have made it right. And so, because there's not, that's the messy thing about being in a relationship with people. It's almost always easier to ignore it and just leave. It's almost always easier to say, I won't be close to people. It's almost always easier to do the, the thing that's going to remove yourself from people's lives. Yep. But, but so you carry it with you. Yeah, but you do carry it with you. It doesn't go away. It's not because the next time that you get start getting close, you remember that thing that happened. The next time that you start saying, I'm going to await that kind of reeks of this other thing. And it's like, maybe the first one wasn't intentional and definitely the second one wasn't. But now in your mind, you've lumped it all together in this one thing. And so it's how I think the enemy works to play in our minds mm-hmm. to to get us just kind of rabbit holing down these these places of hurt that remove our remove us from relationship and from the church. Yep. So. All right. I think we've exhausted it. What do you think? Well, I think we've just opened up the can, <laughs> scratched <laughs> the surface, but well, glad you guys are with us. And, um, thanks for joining us. I'm glad you're coming along for the ride here. You can find, more episodes and subscription links at artofcommunity.net or on most podcast platforms. Um, check out the show notes for ways to contact us, um, or you can head over to Facebook where you can search for Heather Cotton or Ben Cotton on our Facebook pages and reach out to us that way. If you like the content, share it, share it with your friends, talk about it. We'll see you next time.